0: Of kings. Praise forever to the King of Kings. Would you pray with me this morning? Lift your hands towards the Lord. Lord, you are our Shepherd, and therefore we lack nothing. But we don't need another relationship. We don't need another job. We don't need to move to another city to be fulfilled today. But you're our shepherd, Lord. We lack nothing. It's only in the name of Jesus that our soul can find rest. You are the living water that never runs out. While everything else in our life seems to just come up dry and disappoint us, Lord, you are here with us. You have come to fill our hearts afresh this morning, Lord. So with our arms outstretched to you, God, we just remember your rightful place in our lives with a physical sign of surrender to just say, Lord, we don't just want you to save us for eternity. We want you to be Lord now of our lives. Leading and guiding and shaping every moment of our lives, Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. We give you full reign over the next few moments and into our life for eternity. It's in Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Come on, you can go ahead and have a seat. Give the Lord a shout of praise if you're excited to be in his house this morning. I'm right there with you. Can we say a warm welcome to those who are watching online? Let's give it up for them right now at the 11 a.m. service. Come on, that was weak. Come on, we can do better than that. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here at One Church and uh, if you've been here for a few weeks now. I guess you're not too sick of me preaching yet. Uh, And then for those who are new, I just want to say welcome in all sincerity. Those who are watching online, watching this on YouTube later, we say four different things before we start each of the messages. And the first thing is this, you belong here before you believe. And I say this, and I know that for those who have been here for weeks, you might be thinking, okay, I've heard this many times, but I pray this would hit you fresh this morning that even if you came in here this morning, you walked in with doubt or shame or confusion or literally just fear about, I'm not really sure what I believe about Jesus yet. The Lord said, that's okay. You already had a place in my family. You already had a place at the table before you even believe. Amen? The second thing is this. We don't want to just reach those who are kind of on the fence about Jesus, but those who are watching online or in the room, we also want to unleash. Everybody say, unleash. Unleash. We want to unleash those who want to go deep into their purpose, into their calling. Amen. The third thing is this. I don't want to talk at you, but I want to talk with you. So every time I prepare a message, I'm spending time in prayer throughout the week. And you guys, even before last service, I'm getting up there and I'm thinking, God, you are preaching this message to me. I'm in the same boat with you all. And the fourth thing is this. I promise, whether you're watching online or in the room, I will not sugarcoat the Word of God. I want to give it to you plain and simple and clear. Paul said, I didn't come with wise and persuasive, creative speeches. I came with the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we believe that God is in this room. God is in this room. We just acknowledge His presence for a moment. That the presence of the resurrected Christ is in this room. Amen. We celebrate Easter in two weeks, but we don't have to wait to celebrate because He has already risen, amen? He's already with us. So let's pray one more time, whether we're in the room or watching online. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, we thank You that You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. And as we approach Your Word, Lord, I thank You that Your text is different than any text known to man. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to pierce the very thoughts of our mind, the, the things that are going in our heart, Lord, everything that we came in here this morning with, Jesus, you tell us, just come as you are. You'll meet us right where you're at, right where we're at, and your word will speak to that situation. So whether we came in here feeling stressed about finances, feeling stressed about a relationship, just feeling distracted, bogged down with life, I don't know what that thing is, but with heads bound, eyes closed, I just challenge you to even just open up your hands, almost like you had a clenched fist, you're opening it up before the Lord. Just say, God, I just give you this right now. Lord, I pray that there would be no distractions in this room, but we would be able to be transformed by the living God, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for soft hearts. I pray for ears to hear, eyes to see. Would you reveal things to us, Lord, that would help us grow in our walk with you, and we're going to give you the glory in advance. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Come on, everybody said amen, 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 and amen. The title of our new series over the next four weeks, we do series in four weeks here. I think it's a nice rhythm. It's a pattern that it's not too long. It's not too short. And so everybody say witness. Witness. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a witness. Turn to the person behind you and say, I'm a witness. Over the next four weeks, including today, we're going to unpack this series called Witness heading into Easter. It's all going to tie together, and the purpose is this. What happens when we see and we hear of the power of God in our lives? What do we do? Jesus is either real or he's not. He either rose from the grave or he didn't. And if he did, which we believe he did, right? We're about to celebrate that. And then that has to radically change our life. We're going to be talking about the miraculous power of God. Does anyone believe that God still does miracles today? I don't know about you, but I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Everybody say yesterday. yesterday. Today. today. And forevermore, he has not changed, and his power is at work even in this city. Amen. The foundational scripture I want to read for the next four weeks is this Acts 4.20. We cannot stop telling. Let's just pause right here. These are early church disciples, apostles, men and women who followed Jesus. They talked with him. They ate with him. And they say, no, no, the things that we saw with our own eyes, the things that we heard, I mean, we saw Jesus' scars in his side. He rose from the grave. We, we can't stop telling people about everything we've seen. We're a, everybody say witness. We're a witness of the power of God. I'm really excited about the next few weeks for a variety of reasons, but I want to show another graph up here or a picture, a correlation here. I think in pictures and colors, like I said, and anyone want to know just like what's coming? Like when when someone gets up to speak, you're like, can I just at least know maybe like what's next week, anybody? I do this uh, not only for me to help uh, you, but just for the whole congregation to be on the same page about where we're going, amen? And so week number one, everybody say week number one. That's today, we're going to be talking about the miraculous catch of fish, one of the miracles of Jesus. That is such a beautiful story. We're going to watch a video about it in just a moment. Everybody say week number two. If you're uh, new here, we do a lot of call and response, if that's okay. I like to talk with you, like I said. So week number two is next week. It is Baptism Sunday, y'all. It's going to be amazing. We have uh, people that are signed up to be baptized in both services. Can we clap for that? That's amazing. Going from death to life. Just had one other person last service decide they wanted to get baptized, gave their life to Jesus. Just amazing to see how God is at work here. Amen. And the third thing, uh, the third week is we're going to be celebrating Easter. So What I'm really excited about how week two and three will correlate is when we celebrate the resurrection. Paul says in Philippians, he says, I want to know the sufferings of Christ. He says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Now, there won't be a bodily resurrection until Jesus comes back, right? Are you with me? But we can experience a spiritual resurrection in Christ today where he takes us from death to life. He takes us from addiction to freedom. He takes us from bondage and slavery into a whole new life. Are you with me? Right? And so baptism is an amazing moment to say the week before Easter, we are going to see people right here next week be buried. Let everything that was from their old life be passed away, buried into the water and rise up a new creation. Amen. So it's going to be amazing thing. I think it's going to be really fun right before Easter. Obviously, Easter, we're celebrating the empty tomb. And then week number four, we're going to talk about how that all correlates and pans out beyond just Easter. Because sometimes we go to an Easter Sunday and then we come back and we're like, okay, now what? What do we do from here, right? So the title of my message today is actually that, is now what? Turn to your neighbor and just say, now what? Anybody ever been in this situation in their life recently? You're asking the question, now what? God, I thought you were going to show up in that place, but you didn't. You closed that door. I thought you were going to open. I thought you were going to give me that job or help me find my way into that relationship. but, But it's a no, it's a closed door. So now what? Or maybe on the other end, you've experienced the power, the anointing, the blessing of God, the favor on your life. And now you're saying, now what do I do that I have witnessed these things? I know that Jesus is who he says he is. So everybody say, now what? Now Now what do we do? Whether you're watching online or in the room, I'm excited. I want to give some context for a video we're about to show. Before we show it, this is a story of the miraculous catch. Anybody ever seen this story before? This is when Jesus calls the disciples. And over the next four weeks, I want to really kind of get onto a a level where we can relate to the disciples. Because we often look at the disciples and we think Peter was this like clean cut man. He said, repent and be baptized, all of you. No, really, Peter was, uh, I mean, at one point he was a fisherman. He was probably swearing. He probably smelled bad. And Jesus is calling tax collectors and sinners and people that would be overlooked and undervalued today. Jesus says, those are my followers. I, I want them to build my kingdom. And it's kind of interesting in this story because I think we can relate to the disciples. Have you ever worked on a project or something where you're working tirelessly, hours? Maybe you're discipling someone. Maybe you're painting something. Maybe you're working on a sales project or a work project, and it just feels like nothing is happening. Let's be honest. We've all been there before, right? And we're asking the question, now what do you want me to do, God? I'm doing my part. I'm trying as hard as I can. These fishermen have been fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. They're frustrated. They're frustrated. They're like, okay, Jesus says he's the Messiah, but I don't know, man. And Jesus approaches them. Watch this video, and we'll talk about it in just a second. I love you. I love you! my brother and a baptizer <laughs> you are the lamb of god yes i am depart from me i am a sinful man you don't know who i am the things i've done don't be afraid son i'm sorry we, we've waited for you for so long we believe but my faith How sorry up your head, fisherman. What do you want? Anything you ask I will do. as well. Yes, you, James and John. Come, follow me. I'll take the fish into market and settle up Simon's debt. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Emma? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. Isn't that amazing? I love that video. That's a clip from The Chosen, and don't worry, we got uh, copyright permissions and all that. Uh, They said pastors can show these videos. Sorry. Uh, Okay. Anybody ever seen The Chosen series before? I know there's a lot of different videos out, whether you're watching online or in the room, just of Jesus and kind of portraying the Gospels, but I think it's just the best one, in my opinion, of just helping us see the personality of Jesus. We often forget that Jesus has a personality, that he smiles. The first thing is this. As we unpack this story and this video in the next few moments is this. Jesus does not shame our doubt. He welcomes it. Now, so many of us when we come to church, if you're watching online or in the room, so many of us come to church and we think, okay, I better walk in here and make sure that people know that. Like, I do believe this thing. Like, I'm I'm a Christian. Like, don't worry about me. I'm saved. Like, trust me. And and we kind of try to put on this face. Like, no, I, I, I believe it. But let's just be honest. All of us at some level have experienced doubt. And just a few of us are willing to admit it, right? And this is really a burden to my heart. This breaks my heart because so many people come to church and they're afraid to open up. I'm doubting if this is really real or not. Like I'm going to come here and, and I'll, I'll give and I'll attend and I'll go to a small group. But there's something in our heart that goes, I don't really know. I mean, you've got to prove it to me. But Jesus doesn't shame that doubt. He doesn't say, I can't believe, disciples, you didn't believe in me? I mean, look what I did. He gets down with Peter, right? He smiles. He welcomes his doubt. Says, Your doubt doesn't intimidate me. Don't worry about that. Jesus doesn't. Everybody say shame. He doesn't shame our doubt. He welcomes it. Luke 5, 6 through 8. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish. Just recapping the story. Their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat, come to help them. And they came. They filled both boats like you just saw. But then verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Let's just focus on this for a second. He said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I can't be in your presence. And I think about this moment, and then I look at the way Jesus responds. Obviously, this is a reenactment. This isn't a live look into the gospel, all right? Let's just, okay. But, I know this might sound simple, but we often put so much focus on the divinity of Christ. Okay, let's just pause here. Jesus is fully God. Everybody say, fully God. God. And He is fully man. He's not somewhere in the universe saying, get on my level, all of you, get your act together. It says the Word became flesh. It says that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Just say, Come get on my level. He said, I'm going to go to your level. I'm going to take on a human body. And let's just be really plain and simple this morning. The truth is only found in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. This isn't about, well, Christianity is a a good religion, but I like the other religions. Jesus says, the only way to God is through Christ. That's it. It's not in Buddha. It's not in Muhammad. It's not in whoever you thought was a good teacher. It's in Jesus He's fully God. Everybody say fully God. But he's also fully man. And this is a part in church that we don't talk about a lot. We don't really pay attention too much. Hebrews 4.15, it says, Jesus, this high priest of ours, who is interceding on behalf of us, who stood in the gap, he took our place on the cross, the death that we deserve. He actually understands our weaknesses because he is fully God and fully man. He took on a body, the incarnation For he faced all the same testings that we do, and yet he was sinless. Many of us forget the simple truth. Jesus smiles, and he laughs. I know that sounds like, okay, what are you trying to say here? Jesus is personal. He's relational. Jesus has a sense of humor. Is that okay to say? Like, do you think Jesus was just sitting around the campfire with everyone just with a straight face on day in and day out? Please follow me. No, no, no. Jesus, he laughs. He's telling jokes. Jackson and I were talking about, he even had a nickname for one of the disciples. Like, Jesus is a personal, relational, intimate God. But here's the truth. Many of us have only seen God as creator. We have not seen him as friend. Okay, God, I know that you, like, spoke the, the moon and the stars, and like, you are the Alpha and the Omega. And let me be very clear, there is a reverence here. Like when you come into the Lord's presence, when you come to the Lord's house, when we open up the Word, there is, everybody say, reverence. There is a godly fear. Yes and amen. But many of us have only experienced that. He's my creator. God, you're somewhere there. I kind of pray, would you bless this food to my body in Jesus' name, amen. But Jesus says, no, 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 I want to be so much more than that. I want to be your friend. And I want to remind you that I know you by name, that I created you, not just the moon and the stars. I know you by name. I call you by name. Jesus doesn't shame our doubt. He actually welcomes it. It's not intimidating to him. There is no doubt that is too big for God. You could say, well, I don't believe he exists. Well, guess what? Miracles happen so that we can build trust with God. Oh, you don't believe Jesus is real? The disciples didn't either. And then they see the miraculous catch of fish. Oh, you don't believe Jesus is real? How are you being provided for day in and day out? How is your heart still beating? How is your bank account being filled other than the blessing of the gracious hand of God? But even if you doubt, you don't need to be ashamed of that. You can bring that to the Lord. I think of Thomas when we're thinking about the story of Easter, right? Jesus rises from the grave. And Thomas goes, I still don't believe it. He's standing right in front of him. He goes, Thomas, put your hands to my sides. Look at my hands. Look at the the holes in my hands, right? Are you with me? Anybody know that story? It's a beautiful moment where Jesus doesn't shame him. He just says, let me show you. I'm a big enough God to defend myself, amen? The second thing is this. Everybody doing okay this morning? I'm excited because this has transformed my life this week. I'm seeing Jesus in a whole different way. Number two is this. Jesus doesn't shame our passions. Let's pause there. What are you most passionate about? Like a really plain and simple. I love basketball. What do, you, do you like painting? Do you like work? Do you like business? Do you like riding bikes? Do you like going to the gym? I don't know what that thing is for you. Maybe you love taking care of babies. Think about that passion. Everybody got that? Okay. Now, how many of us have felt a level of shame for how much we love that thing before? Let's just be honest. But Jesus doesn't shame our passions. He, he gives purpose to the exact things that you are into. Obviously, we're talking about things that are not sinful, just hobbies, interests. Man, you like clothes. You like fashion. I don't know what you like. But he gives purpose. Everybody say purpose. So look at Luke Luke 5.10. Jesus said to Simon, right after this miracle happens, he says, follow me. Then he says, you will fish for people. Okay, now this is really important. Jesus, have you ever noticed? You can put this slide up on the screen. Jesus speaks to them in language they can understand. Have you ever noticed this in scripture? Jesus doesn't come up to them and and start talking about this holy temple over here. He speaks to fishermen as fishermen. He speaks to doctors as doctors. He speaks to farmers as farmers. He speaks in a language they can understand. And what's so amazing about God is when you realize he's not just creator, but he is, everybody say, friend. You realize God is speaking to you in many ways that you're not paying attention to. He speaks to you in way more creative ways than you would ever give him credit for. Man, I thought God only spoke through his word. Okay, it's what's written there, that's that's basically it. And then you realize, no, the scriptures point to having a relationship. Everybody say relationship. Relationship. You have a relationship with God and you realize, okay, the word and then the spirit. Everybody said the spirit. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus sent his spirit to say, I want to walk with you as a friend. Like, yeah, you you know what Hebrews 4.15 says, but have you experienced it? Have you tasted and seen that God is good? Have you tasted and seen that he is a friend, that he is with you through the watches of the night when everybody left you, when no one was there to comfort you, and then you felt the overwhelming presence of the glory of God? Then you know, and I've witnessed it. Jesus is who he says he is. God takes our obsessive passions and he speaks special purpose in them. So I'll share about my life with you for a second. Let me just get vulnerable. I know I'm kind of that guy that likes hip-hop and basketball and fashion, okay? Like, let's just admit that. I'm not going to try to hide who I am. I feel like that guy sometimes. You know, I walk into a store, they're like, oh, yeah, look, he looks like a pastor, right? Or some people think, you know, if you're, they think I'm a priest, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you could never get married. That's a whole other conversation. But when people see me, right, they, they, they think about these stereotypes maybe. And for a while, you guys, I was really ashamed of that. I'm just being vulnerable. Like I was ashamed, like maybe I just shouldn't like clothes that much. Maybe I really should just give up watching basketball forever. I should probably just like, you know, wear like, you know, a black shirt and just, like, it's just about Jesus, right? And it almost turned into a legalistic mindset in my mind, okay? And the Lord showed me, no, 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 Andy, let's, let's speak to the people in the, this room this morning. You like fitness? You like fashion? You like pharmaceutical things? I don't know where you're at. What if God were to say, don't be ashamed of that thing. I'm going to give purpose to that. Because you guys, I can't tell you how many times I have walked into a Denny's and someone says, wow, those shoes are cool. Opens up a door. And all of a sudden we're talking about Jesus in five seconds. You might think that sounds crazy. I think God knows he's a relational God. God. He uses the things that you are interested in to say, don't let that be an idol. I know you love flag football. I know you like watching football. Invite someone to the game. Watch with your neighbor. Take time to say, how can I pray for you afterwards? He speaks special. Everybody say purpose. Is anybody with me this morning? I think this is a huge takeaway because Jesus comes to me and he says, you are now going to fish for people. I'm going to communicate to you in ways that you know that are specific to your context. First Corinthians ten thirty one says this: Whatever you do, whatever you're interested in, obviously if it's super sinful, that's another conversation. Whatever your hobbies or interests are, do it all for the glory of God. Don't do it for yourself. Don't do it to add to your bank account to build your castle. Do it for the glory of God. And watch how God might work when you are being in the world and not of it. Are you with me? I think it's so funny. You know, you have a lot of churches that are like, no more youth sports. No more youth sports ever. They're taking us away from church. What if God were to use that exact thing to reach people who are lost right now? No, no, we need to get rid of everything we've ever been interested in. No, Jesus says, I want you to be fully surrendered to me, but I want you to be mature enough so that you can be in the world and not of the world. You can be in the game, you can be watching the game, and you can be there praying for people, loving on people, blessing people. Whatever you're interested in. The third thing is this, we cannot see the miracle without taking the step of, everybody say, faith. Turn to your neighbor and just say, it takes faith. Luke 5 5 Simon answered master we have worked hard all night Luke 5 5 we've worked hard all night Jesus you're coming to us we've been fishing we've been trying we've been striving why are you going to come to us right now and tell us to throw our nets in the deep end anybody ever felt that way with God but he has a sense of humor right he goes put your nets in the deep water And Simon says, okay, because you say so, I will let down my nets. God, I know it's going to look foolish to the world. People might think I'm crazy. Maybe some people who are watching on the shore are like, why are you even talking to this prophet? But because you say so, Jesus, okay. Peter had to let down the nets to see the miracle. And I want to put this phrase up back on the screen. Miracles still happen today. This is what happens, you guys. Anybody ever been on a mission trip before? Anybody know someone who's been on a mission trip? Come on, those are awesome. Maybe you went overseas somewhere. Maybe you were in Africa, or maybe you were in Europe. I don't know where you're at. But you know what breaks my heart the most? I did this myself. So I'm preaching to myself. You go on one of those trips. You see God move in power, right? You're like, man, I saw someone healed. Oh my gosh, this one group of people that were really poor, man, they had like... God was taking care of them every day. And you come back with all these testimonies. And then the next thing that comes out of a lot of people's mouth after they go on a mission trip is God would never move here, though, like he does there. Man, I wish I could go back. And honestly, you guys, it goes into, like, this depressive state for a lot of people. They come back from another country, and they're like, God's just not really moving here in America. Church, can I just encourage you? Miracles happen today in this city, in Jesus' name. In this city, in this square footage. The Lord is the same, Hebrews 13:8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You don't have to go on a short-term mission trip to experience the power of God in your life today. You don't have to sign up for some class to go to Israel and walk the Holy Land. That's amazing. But God is with you right where you're at. I'd say a couple of phrases like this miracles, they don't have to be big and flashy. They don't have to be the, the big bang, everything. Oh my gosh, someone got healed. It could literally be you woke up today. Do you not consider that a miracle? You're still married today. Do you not consider that a miracle? I didn't know no like hidden intentions behind that, alright? But miracles, they don't have to be big and flashy. They're often everybody say the mundane. I'd say it like this. It's not that God doesn't do miracles here. It's just that you're not looking for it. We're just too distracted. Oh, God doesn't really move here. I mean, he moves in the Bible. Yeah, I mean, look at what he did with the Red Sea. God doesn't do that stuff today. No, no, I would challenge you and say, are you looking for it? Are you praying for it? Another step to say this, it's not that God doesn't do miracles. It's that we are not stepping out in faith anymore. We think that was just for the apostles. Oh, that's just for the disciples. They let down their nets. That's a cool story, man. I'm going to tell my grandkids. No, no, Jesus is saying, this is for you. Are are you willing to take a step of faith? Because you say, oh, miracles don't happen, the power of God, yeah. Are you stepping out to see that? Because Jesus said, Simon, let your nets down. Once he let the nets down, then the miracle came. This is a relationship. This isn't, God, you're a puppet. I do, or I just kind of speak things. Miracles happen. No, it takes our obedience. Everybody say, obedience. Obedience. That's an O word we don't like to use in church, right? Our obedience. And then we see the miracle. So let's keep going. Point number four is this. Dependence on God, it brings sweet, everybody say, intimacy. Now, I don't want to take too much time on this, but there is a flow. You can go to this one through five here. and, And I want to take these terms that you might Have heard before and just make them really simple. Everybody said dependence. Dependence is step number one, realizing you are not your own God. I know that you think you can provide for yourself and that you take care of your family. You take care of all the grandchildren. It's all under your control. But Jesus is here to remind you, no, he is the vine. You are the branch. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Like the reason your heart is still beating is because of his grace on your life. Everybody say dependence. You come to the place where you come to the end of yourself. Let me tell you, the end of yourself is the beginning of God in your life. The end of your strategy, the end of your intelligence, the end of everything. God says, now I can move. Now I can show them. Number two, everybody say obedience. You're stepping out in faith. You see the miracle. And then you see the miracle and you start to expect the miracle more often. So, you don't have to walk into church and say, Huh, I wonder what this is going to be about. Maybe God will speak to me. No, no, no. You walk into church and say, I saw him move last week. So, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, he's going to move again this week. And I saw him move in that year. So, he's going to remain faithful to me as anybody with me. 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. And then the years go on because you're saying, No, no, I have witnessed God's power in my life, it's a testimony. What we witness becomes our testimony. That's why we do baptism, right? To say, I'm not just going to pray this prayer in my seat. I'm going to get baptized and share with the world the power of God in my life. I'm unashamed of it. There's nothing to hide. But one of the devil's greatest lies, you guys, is this. You don't really need God. Especially in the United States. you, You don't really need God. This... It's really important, you guys. We are living in a spiritual battle 24-7. So the enemy wants to convince you, especially in our uh, highly populated suburban area that we live in. He wants to convince you and I on some level, especially Noblesville, Westfield, Carmel, you don't really need God. You have a nice house. You have a spouse. you're, You're working to save up. You have a will set up for your kids. Why would you even pray? You don't really need revival. I think that's seriously one of the things that prevents us from even praying for a change in our cities at some level in our heart. We don't believe we even need it. Well, the world's just broken. I mean, this is just what happens in marriages. No, no, no. God is saying, this is not how I intended the world to be. He wants to wake us up by the power of his Holy Spirit to say, are you praying for those things? Are you interceding for those things? Are you just saying, 'I I don't really need God. We kind of just act like, I got this. Luke 5, 4 through 5. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water. And I just want to pause here. I felt this so clearly from the Holy Spirit when I was preparing, thinking. There are people watching online, maybe one person in the room. I don't know who this is for, but there is a word for someone. You have been living in the shallow end of your walk with God your entire life, or maybe for years. And Jesus is saying, it's time to go into deep water. Like, I know that you've treated church and this idea of Christianity as just like, I go to church and I tithe. Yeah, I kind of go to a small group. I attend here and there when it's convenient. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. This is not a, I kind of do it when it's convenient. This is a commitment. This is a covenant with me. Put your net out into deep water. Verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night like we were talking about. We haven't caught Anything. I want to put this phrase up on the screen. Sometimes God allows us to fail to discover our need for Him. Sometimes God will remove His hand from what you are doing to kindly remind you you are nothing apart from God. I know you think you're your own boss, you're your own coach in your life, and you decide your own destiny, but sometimes God is so kind, He's so loving. I heard someone say this. May I live a life that is adjusted by a feather and not a hammer. May I live so close to the Lord. He doesn't have to even let me hit rock bottom. Because when I feel the wind of his spirit, I get right back into correction. I get right back in. And it's not a legalistic thing. It's not a get your butt in order kind of thing. It's a, the Lord wants freedom for your life. He doesn't want you living in bondage to money to fame, to image, to idols, to sports. He wants you living in, everybody say, freedom. I'd say it like this, sometimes failure is a blessing in disguise. I know that you were praying for that thing to be launched, or that business, or this relationship, or whatever that may be. And sometimes the Lord, he gives us that free will, and he allows us to fail out of love. To say, take it a step further, it says, God sometimes allows us to hit rock bottom, To see he's the rock at the bottom. So yeah. You're not as wealthy as you thought you'd be at this point. You don't have as many friends as you thought you would have at this point. It's not that God is trying to get you. It's not that he's trying to smite you. But sometimes the Lord leads us into a wilderness to remember. God, apart from you, I am nothing. My finances are not provided for without you. I do not have a relationship that's healthy and pure without your power of the Holy Spirit. To take it a step further. Sometimes you guys. The most sweetest moments in your walk with Jesus, they're not at the mountaintop. Matter of fact, I would say 99% of them are not at the mountaintop. They're in the valley. The sweetest moments with Jesus. When no one else sees, you're on your knees. And you've never been on your knees before, but you find yourself on your knees saying, God, without your power, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this rent. I made this terrible decision. I don't know what I'm going to do anymore. But let me tell you this, church. God doesn't want you to just pray when there's a crisis in your life. He wants you to be praying nonstop as a friend. And I know some of us, we go to church like here and there and we're like, God, I'm just going to kind of pray for you. Oh my gosh, I need you. My car broke down. Three weeks go by, no conversation with the Lord. Sometimes the best thing that God can do is close a door in your life. I know you were praying for that relationship. And God is for you. Everybody say, He's for you. He is for you. He is for you. He's not against you. He's not trying to smite you. But when you realize, oh my gosh, God is for me, He's not trying to manipulate my life by closing this door. Can we just all acknowledge there was a moment in our life where God said no? And it was a gift. You wanted to marry that girl, but guess what? It would have led you into crazy drug addiction. She was partying. Maybe she even took her own life. Are you with me? Like, there are moments in our life where we just need to recognize, I know you're praying for that bigger house, that bigger whatever, X, Y, and Z, but sometimes the best gift God can give you is a no. I'm sorry, my child. And he doesn't do it and slam the door in your face. He, he comes to you. Like that video, he meets you on that level and says, my child, I know you want that. I know you want that. I know that you're praying for that, but I love you too much. I know that that thing is not for your good. You wanted that job, but they were going to overwork you until you were done with work forever. I'd say it like this. It was never about the miracle. It's about the, everybody say Relationship. Every miracle that happens in our life is meant to build trust. Because here's what happens. The reason why the valley is so sweet is because we are locked right on with Jesus, right? Because we remember, I can't do anything apart from him. I desperately need him. And then what if God does bless you with the thing you're praying for? The bigger square footage or whatever it is. Maybe you want to go start a ministry. You want to serve somewhere. A lot of times that very thing you prayed for becomes an idol you start worshiping the thing that you were praying for, right? Like at one point you were without it and actually you were more joyful without it than with it. Come on, anybody ever been there? There are moments, even as we have launched this church and it's exciting, people are giving their lives to Jesus and you know what? Sometimes I honestly miss the moments where I was just in my prayer closet. There was no one church because why? My connection with Jesus, there were less temptations around me Are you with me? I was locked on him. I'm praying that God would keep me in that place where he is my first love. And to take it one step further, and we'll be done with this main point, miracles happen so that only God could get the glory. Okay, you came to your knees now. You recognize, just like Peter, Apart from you, Lord, I am nothing. Apart from you, I will spend eternity apart from you. You come to that place. You land on your knees. God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle in my marriage. I need a miracle in my relationships. And then it happens. You can't take the glory for that. It wasn't by your intelligence. It wasn't by your strategy. It was a supernatural move of God. You can never take credit for it. And Jesus doesn't do this to shame you, to say, look at me. He, he smiles and he laughs. This is my child, my friend. I love you. The last main idea is this, and we'll be done. Number five: witnessing the miracle. It calls for us to make a decision. So, Jesus is either who He says He is, or He's not. C.S. Lewis says Jesus is either a liar, He's a lunatic, or He is Lord. We all have to make that decision. Okay, God, I've seen you move. I saw that person get baptized. Man, I saw all of a sudden my bank account had just enough to get another week. Like I couldn't have done that without the move of God. Any, anybody ever been there? I've been there before. As a young college student, you're like, wait, what is happening? God is so kind that he does one miracle after the next to build trust with you. So your doubt is not too big for me. But it calls for us to then make a decision. So this is what happens. Matthew 4, 19 through 20, he said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of people. Follow me. You remember that part in the video, right? Peter says, what do you want from me, Lord? He says, follow me. But verse 20 says, immediately. Everybody say, immediately. They, they left their nets and they followed him. Now let's just be real, and myself included. If Jesus came into the place where you call work and said, leave what you're doing right now and follow me, how many of us would immediately leave? And this is where we can just relate to the humanity of the disciples, right? But let me encourage you with something. This is a a bigger challenge to us now because in this time period, this is so important theologically, the disciples did not have the Holy Spirit living in their heart. This is really important. Anybody ever thought about this? Okay, you see the disciples, they're walking with Jesus, but they don't have Jesus living in their heart like we do today. Are you with me? Peter's cutting off ears. They're trying to lead a revolt. They're so confused. They don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus comes to us today and says, follow me, guys, we're without excuse. Like the Holy Spirit is able to guide us, to empower us, to strengthen us. And this phrase, I know it might be offensive, but it's so important. Delayed obedience is still disobedience to God. And man, I've been guilty of this. I'm asking for forgiveness of this Maturity is this, the next slide, our yes gets quicker. The Lord calls you, drop your nets. And then it doesn't take six years for you to finally obey the promise that God had called you to live into. It takes six seconds. Come on, are you with me? Our yes gets quicker. That's If you want to ask, how am I growing in my relationship with God? Jesus says this, It's not about attending church and tithing here and there and maybe getting involved in a small group. He says, I'll know if you love me if you obey my commands. If your yes gets quicker. And the Lord, he's so gracious. He's not up there like grading us, right? Like, oh my gosh, now my child. He's a father, amen? He's a father and he is patient. He is compassionate. But delayed obedience is still disobedience. Maybe you find yourself living in sin this morning. Maybe you find yourself in an addiction. Maybe you're living together before marriage. I don't know where you're at on the spectrum. I know that I've been in those places where I'm like, God, I know I'm living entrenched in sin. What if it didn't take you six months to just say yes, but it was today, right? A few phrases that came to my mind. I know it's quiet in here again. I say all this in love. Is that okay? I want to challenge you. This comes from a deep place in my heart because I'm afraid you guys... We have a lot of places in this state, maybe even in this county, where you come and you think you're walking in Christianity, but you're really not living the full life. And I feel especially called by God to say, no, no, no. Jesus, when he says, follow me, this is not a friends with benefits kind of thing. This is not a, God is a slot machine in the air, and I kind of pray when I feel like it, and oh, I need help, God. And then you kind of disown him. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I know you spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a wedding, but there is a covenant with me that comes even before that. Are you with me? This is not a friends with benefits. Hey, I kind of do what pleases me, and then I kind of ask for help from God. That is what we call cultural Christianity. That is what we call a lukewarm Christian life, where God is a slot machine. God, I I prayed, I did my devotions this morning. Would you please? Jesus is saying, it's not about that stuff, you guys. And he's not up there with a lightning bolt, but he's saying, I want you to live in freedom so bad that you would taste and see that a full surrendered life to me, you'll never lack anything. A few phrases that came to my mind is this, we want to seek God's hand, but not his face. We want to say, God, whatever you can do for me, then I'm kind of good with you. Like, as long as my business is going well and I have health, wealth, and prosperity, come on. Like, there's a serious issue in the body of Christ in America. Are you with me? Like, we have literally treated Christianity like it's literally a, I do right, act right, think right, and then God blesses me, and I'm living the blessed life. Jesus says, no, seek my face. Don't seek my hand. Don't seek what I can just do for you. Are you surrendered to me? Another phrase would be this. We want the miracle of God without being married to Him. And this breaks the heart of God. I'm not asking, do you attend church? I'm not asking, are you in a small group? I'm asking, are you married to Jesus? Are you in covenant with the Lord? Because this is what it means to follow Him. And the last thing is this. We want the favor of God without following Him. God, just please bless this sales pitch I'm about to give. Please bless this sports league I'm about to give. Please. And the Lord is saying, would you just seek me when it doesn't have to do with you being blessed? But it just has to do with you saying, Jesus, I want to know you. Man, you get on your hands and knees and say, I know that you will bless me. There is favor. Come on. Can we say amen? There is favor that comes with walking with God. That is in scripture. I'm not going to act like that's not in there. But Jesus is saying, would you get on your hands and knees not to just pray for a miracle, but to be in a marriage with me, to say, Jesus, I just want to know you. I just want to open up my Bible. And yes, I do need your help. And yes, please guide me. But I'm on my hands and knees to say, Jesus, I just want to know your love for my life. I want to be in relationship with you. I don't want to just be praying because I'm in a crisis. I want to pray because I'm in a Christ-centered relationship, right? The last phrase is this, the miracle was not designed to build an idol. It was meant to build trust. So Psalm 24 says this, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and everybody say pure heart, heart. a pure heart. This is what God wants for us. We're not seeking his hand. We're seeking his face. Are you with me? We want to know God for who he is. Verse five, they will receive blessing, blessing. From the Lord, vindication from God, their Savior. Verse six, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in prayer thinking about the climate of American Christianity. And I feel like God is rising up a movement of people that say, I will have clean hands and a pure heart before the Lord. I want to seek him to know him. The phrase I would put up would be this to end, following God, not for what he can do for you, but for who he is what if God were to raise up a generation of people that would to say, no, I want the real thing. I want to follow Jesus. I want to take up my cross. Not because, yeah, there might be some blessing attached to it, but because I want to know Him. Like Paul, he says in Philippians, you can go ahead and stand to your feet. We'll be done. Paul says this, you guys, in Philippians 4. Anybody ever seen, and I know I've said this before, I want to say it again. Anybody ever seen Philippians 4.13 somewhere? Can we just be honest, right? Instagram, hashtag. People will hashtag Bible verses all the time, and they don't mean it, right? They will. Hashtag Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. Really what Paul is saying, he writes in the scriptures before and after. He says, I know what it's like to be in want to not have a lot. And I know what it's like to be blessed. He says, I, I've experienced both sides. God does bless. God does call us to suffer for him. And what I've found is the way that I can do all things through Christ is because I am content. Everything come back, comes back to contentment. Say, God, I actually don't need the miracle. I don't need that job. I don't need to move to that city to be fulfilled today. It says in Scripture, the Lord is our shepherd. We lack nothing, right? That's either true or it's not. And I don't know about you, but I want to live a life where Jesus comes to me wherever I'm at. He says, drop your nets. And it doesn't take six years. It takes six seconds. I will, Lord, I trust you. I know you're for my good. I know that you are here to lead me, that you are here to walk me into the kingdom. Would you pray with me one more time? We'll be done in just a moment. Father, I thank you that you have called us to follow you, God. Beyond church attendance, beyond, yeah, I have some family that kind of goes to church. I pray for my kids. But a marriage, a union with you, God, where you are not just creator, you are friend. It's the most beautiful relationship because Lord, you never leave. It says, while we were faithless, you remained faithful to us. And God, I thank you for your grace. And I just feel this especially for the conviction that's in the room. For us who are saying, God, I know that I have treated you like a slot machine. God, I just thank you that you have forgiven us. I thank you for your grace, God. While we were sinners, you died for us. And so for those who are in the room, those who are watching online, for anyone that says, man, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want him to be Lord of my life. Not just a savior in the heat of a moment, but Lord of my life today. If there's anyone in the room that says, I want to be all in for Jesus, would you just raise your hand? You know that you've been one foot in, one foot out. It's been treated as a cultural Christianity in your life We are saying, Jesus, I feel you this morning. I know you're calling me to surrender my life to you. Would you just lift a hand? For those who are watching online or in the room, let's just pray this prayer silently in our heart. Father, forgive us for we have sinned. Thank you that you have forgiven me. I receive that this morning. Thank you that you have forgotten my sin. You've cast as far as from the east to the west. And Lord, I receive your Holy Spirit that I would become the temple of the living God, that you would live in my heart. Jesus, I welcome you into my heart right now. I don't have to wait six years from now, but today is the day of salvation. So we, we welcome, we receive that gift of salvation in this moment, Jesus, a free gift. And Lord, for anyone in the room with heads bound, eyes closed, for any believers that have said in their hearts this morning, you know you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit where you feel challenged to surrender false gods. You know that something else has taken lordship in your life, and you need to give that to the Lord to let him take his right place in your life again. Would you just lift a hand? I know that was me recently, God. I'm right there with them. Lord, we pray for us as believers with our hands raised to say, Lord, create in us a pure heart. Like David said, after he made mistakes, after he had a different idol, he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Bring me back to my first love. God, I pray for that for the believers in the room, including myself, that we would seek you not for what you can do for us, not for how you might bless us or show up in miracles, but we would seek you to know you. But I thank you, Lord, that you never have given up on pursuing on us, Lord Jesus. So you have never given up running after us. You've never given up speaking our name in the dark, even while we rebelled. So Jesus, thank you. You are calling us back into unity with you. And it's in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen, amen. We are going to do communion this morning. I don't have a cup up here with me, but this service is going to go a few minutes longer today. Whether you're watching online or in the room, we're going to... Partaking communion, it's, an, it's a beautiful picture. Because when we walk to the table, in just a moment, Drew and Mara will serve you when you come out into the outside of the aisles, come back through the middle. When we partake in communion, have you ever noticed like communion at a lot of churches feels so like somber? Like so many people walk up with like their heads down, and they're like, man, I can never. They take it. Jesus says, like he says to Peter, lift your head this morning. Not because of who you are, not because of pride, but in humility, lift your head to remember there is freedom in the name of Jesus. Amen. When you come to the table, you can receive. It says, on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it as a sign to show them, this is my body that's been given for you on the cross. He took the cup, he said, this is my blood that was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so when we come to the table, I challenge you, as God has forgiven and forgotten us, you can come to the throne room, right? As it says in scripture, with freedom and with confidence. Not with pride, not with arrogance, but with just a humble heart that says, God, thank you that you are the God that is the creator, but you are also the God that smiles and laughs with me. You are the God who is my father, who is my friend. Let's partake in communion. There's some gluten-free as well. I don't think Jesus had that back then. Maybe he did. Maybe everything was gluten-free back then. But we have gluten-free. I know I need that. And uh, you can take it. Take it back to your seat. You can partake in that. And then you can stand and worship. And we'll be done in just a moment.